You're listening to a Core News Election Eve special. Stay tuned to hear all three candidates running for Congress in the 12th District, which includes parts of Rutgers. You can use the things you've learned from Elizabeth Maddow and John Weingart to inform your opinion when you listen to what these candidates have to say about their views on the issues and their plans if they're elected into office. For more information on voting and candidates around Rutgers, you can check out ruvoting.rutgers.edu or njvoterinfo.org. And tune in Tuesday at 7 p.m., and that's election night, for a special core of the matter for early returns and issues local voters are considering at the polls. Right now, it's time to hear from the three candidates running for Congress in the 12th District. The current congressman is Democrat Rush Holt. He's being challenged by Republican Scott Suprell and Independent Kenneth Cody. The Core News spoke to each of these candidates. You'll hear what each one has to say about issues that are important to Rutgers students and Central New Jersey residents, like education, public transportation, the environment, federal spending, health care, and, of course, job creation. Independent Kenneth Cody and Democrat Rush Holt are coming up later. First, we'll hear from Scott Suprell. He's the Republican candidate for Congress in New Jersey's 12th District. What made you decide to run for Congress? Like, do you remember the exact moment that you made the decision? I do remember the exact moment I decided to run for Congress. I went to a Rush Holt town hall in November of uh, last year, and I was so struck by his detachment from the issues that most concerned the people there that I thought um, I could do a better job of representing what the people need, which right now is problem-solving in Washington, jobs, and a return of prosperity and economic opportunity. And that's been my full experience in the private sector, solving problems, making budgets, creating jobs. And I think that's a, a quality that's in desperately short supply in the Congress today. So I guess the bottom line is that I thought I could do a better job than he could in addressing the country's most pressing issues. So at that town hall you attended, what were some of the issues that people were raising that you thought Mr. Holt didn't seem concerned with? There's a lot of concern about the amount of debt and uh, how we were mortgaging the opportunities for our children and our grandchildren to have the money to pay for their own generation's priorities. There was a lot of uh, concern and debate about the health care bill and uh, why he was so steadfastly, stubbornly focused on forcing this through before anybody understood or had thought through the implications of uh, what the bill would do to medicine in America and how it would impact seniors' access to, uh, to quality care. There was a lot of discussion about jobs and um, the agenda of the Pelosi Congress, which seems to be so hostile to job creation in America. There was concern about the cap-and-trade bill, which was another massive multi-thousand-page bill, uh, which would dramatically raise energy and utility costs in America. And I think a few folks asked him if he had actually read the bill. So it was a series of questions like that. And he seemed to basically say, you know, I'm your congressman, and whatever I decide is, is going to be good for you. And to me, that's not representative democracy. And I think we need to reconnect the way we run the country to the values and the concerns of people who live in the real world. And I think we've moved dramatically away from that concept over the last uh, many years. What has your work history been like in the private sector? So I've spent my whole life in, uh, in financial services in, in a host of different capacities. And I worked in New York and ran the equity capital raising business for one of the large investment banks. And 
In that job, I was responsible for raising equity capital to help American corporations expand and create jobs. My second phase in my financial services career, I had an investment firm that I started from scratch, had 15 employees at the peak working in that operation, creating American jobs, high-quality, high-paying American jobs. And our job was to manage investment portfolios, mostly for institutional investors who wanted to be invested in American companies without taking huge risks because they have an obligation to pay, uh, you know, in the case of a state fund, you know, to pay the retirement uh, of employees. In the case of a college endowment, maybe paying for educational scholarships for students. So we took that responsibility very seriously because we were a steward of other people's money, and, and I did that job very well. My clients never lost money over a 10-year period. And then over the last few years, I've had an, an venture capital business funding startup companies, again, putting capital behind the dreams of entrepreneurs and putting money to work to ultimately find success and long-term sustainability. So I think that that experience is in dramatically short supply in the Congress, and I think my my ability, having worked as a problem solver and as somebody who has created jobs, sustained jobs, thought through the difficulty of creating a business model that can create profits so that you can reinvest in the company is, uh, is great experience for what the country needs today. We've been collecting questions from students and from our listeners in the community as to what they're concerned about in this election. One of the things that people are most concerned about are environmental issues, conservation, renewable energy, recycling, sustainable development. So what is your position on environmental issues? Well, I think we all have a shared uh, responsibility to be good stewards of the environment. I think especially in New Jersey, where we rely, our economy relies, uh, frankly, on a lot of recreational beach activities, boating. You know, there's not only a good stewardship obligation, but there's a good economic reason for maintaining clean air and clean water and making sure that uh, nobody's polluting, creating externalities for the rest of us to pay for. So I'm a strong believer in a healthy environment. Another thing people are concerned about is federal funding for education, both public education and higher education. What do you think Congress should do about funding education? Well, one of the things I've talked about is auditing the effectiveness of all government programs, making sure that we're reaching the endpoints that we deserve by uh, using taxpayers' dollars to fund these programs. So in the case of the federal role in education, I would like to know whether we're achieving for the $60 billion that we spend in the Department of Education every year, which is sent from taxpayers in their states to Washington, recycled through the administrative bureaucracy of the Department of Education, and then sent back to the states whether that's the best way to use that money or whether more money should stay within the states, in the taxpayers' pockets, to fund their state education priorities. I mean, I'm a big believer that education is the cornerstone of uh, long-term economic success and a prosperous society. The question is, where should the money be spent? What are the priorities? I think what drives uh, great educational outcomes is great teachers, involved parents, and uh, high-quality school boards. As you decentralize, as you move the, the focus of power away from the local communities, the local schools, I'm not sure you get a better result. In, in fact, I think the statistics would show that we're spending a lot of money from the federal side with actually decreasing returns. 
uh, we need to rethink how we're spending money on education. We need to rethink our priorities. And I think we frankly need to demand uh, greater accountability from the money we're spending currently. In the case of failing school districts, we need to make sure we're not trapping kids in poor school systems where they're never going to get the educational opportunities that every child in America deserves. So in the case of failing school districts, we need to find a way to create educational choice through tuition vouchers or credits so that they can take the dollars that would otherwise go to a failing school district and use those dollars to find a better education outside of that school district. And what about kids that can't get into charter schools? and are stuck in those failing school districts. Well, that's what I'm saying. We should, we should have a much better way of measuring the quality, effectiveness, uh, results of school systems. And when school systems fail, they need to either be taken over, closed, or given reallocate those resources for kids to shop for a better school. I think if you, if you empower consumer choice in these failing school systems, you will have new solutions that come forward, whether they're, they're charter schools, even religious schools, um, that can give these kids a chance to get education. People in central New Jersey are always very concerned about traffic congestion and the resulting air pollution that has been sickening the citizens of central New Jersey. What are your feelings on federal funding for public transportation? Certainly in New Jersey, the most densely populated state in the country, we need to rethink our infrastructure where we need to invest, where we need to expand. As you point out, there's also noise and pollution issues that flow out, clogged or ineffective or poorly designed transportation grid. The federal and the state level, we need to get together to rethink where our transportation infrastructure requirements are going to go over the next 5 and 10 and 20 years and, uh, and create those dollars through public-private partnerships and federal-state partnerships to make sure that those critical dollars are available. You're listening to a Core News Election Eve special. Stay tuned to hear from the other two candidates running for Congress in New Jersey's District 12. Right now, we'll have more with Scott Saprell. He's the Republican candidate for Congress in New Jersey's 12th District. Are you in favor of the ARC Tunnel Project that Governor Christie has been reconsidering that would provide another tunnel for commuter trains going from New Jersey into Manhattan? I wouldn't render an opinion on that until I knew what the cost was. And uh, I think it's shocking that they still have so broad a range in terms of the expected cost. I don't think we should spend any money on federal projects without having a good handle on what they're going to cost. Okay, another question that was brought up, openness in government, having our politicians state clearly what they believe in and what their positions are. Are you in favor of more openness in in the federal government? I'm a huge believer in transparency of government. I mean, that's the cornerstone of accountability is transparency. Absolutely. One thing some of our listeners brought up was something called Project Vote Smart, which you may not be familiar with. It's a nonpartisan organization that collects information about candidates for voters to use when they're making their decision. They send out a questionnaire to politicians, or rather to candidates. Currently, both of your opponents have filled out their questionnaire, so some of our listeners wanted to know whether you would fill it out too. I get hundreds and maybe even more than 100 uh, questionnaires for for many, many well-meaning special interest groups who are looking for, uh, in many cases, check the box or yes or no or simplified answers to complex questions. I don't think that, you know, democracy by questionnaire is a great way to evaluate a candidate. 
that doesn't mean that I won't be extremely explicit as I'm being with you in a conversation where I can provide context uh, as to how I feel about every issue that you want to ask me on or what our priorities are. But, you know, in, in that questionnaire and many others, you know, they'll ask a question like, do you believe in higher or lower tax rates? Well, I actually believe that we should dramatically overhaul and simplify the entire federal tax code, go to a simplified tax rate, eliminate corporate deductions that I, I don't think are a good use of the taxpayers' dollars. The flavor of that kind of substance never comes through in those questionnaires. And what, what your opponents typically will do, they'll take out one line and they'll say Scott Soprell is in favor of lowering tax rates for rich people when it doesn't provide the whole context and use that against me. And, and frankly, I think that's the kind of, you know, ugly, simplified logic that is really tearing the quality of our public discourse apart. I think people should be able to talk in substance about the issues that matter. And checking a box, I don't think, is a good way to accomplish that. I think we need, frankly, more thoughtful, independent, courageous discussion in politics and less of this, hey, he checked this box, doesn't that mean that he's against what I stand for? You know, that's leading to, frankly, a, a, a tremendous, I think, lowering of the quality of discussion in politics today. And that's why I don't fill out those, those types of questionnaires. Campaign funding. People are very concerned about who's paying for campaigns and who politicians will then be beholden to if they're voted into office. So who's supporting your campaign? What are they like businesses or companies? Are you getting a lot of support from individuals? I have two sources of funding for my campaign, uh, individual contributions and then my own contribution. I've pledged to at least match every dollar contributed to me by an individual. And that's how I'm financing my campaign. As you know, incumbents have a tremendous advantage in fundraising because they have access to the tax writing committees that corporations pay to access. So my opponent has a very significant amount of funding coming from PACs, lobbyists, unions, and special interests of every different variety. And I frankly think that there should be more transparency on what those people are buying when they're sending a campaign contribution to a sitting congressman. It's, I think it's, it's, it's a legitimate concern people have because they think that that money is corrupting the quality of good government, and I agree. What are your feelings about the debt? Should there be a limit? The government spends too much money. The federal government has too much power, and they don't spend our money wisely or efficiently, and we never re measure the results of what they do. So... I think, as I said earlier, we should audit the effectiveness and the cost of every government program. We should put the government on a balanced budget, just like every household and every business in America has to comply with. And until we do that, until we do that we're going to continue to kick the can down the road and run up extraordinary debts that are destroying the fabric of our economy. $13.5 trillion in debt, $43,000 for every child before they take their first breath, it's reckless and irresponsible, and it's a, it's, it's a core part of why our economy isn't growing. So I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a believer in financial, fiscal, and personal responsibility, and I think we need to bring that to government. Jobs. Everybody likes to talk about jobs and that government needs to create more jobs. What can Congress actually do? Can Congress actually create jobs, or is there something that Congress can do to encourage jobs? The government can't create jobs. Only private sector job creators can create private sector jobs. But the government can 
do a number of things to encourage the growth of jobs. Number one, they can take the dagger out of the back of every small businessman in America with their taxes and senseless intrusive regulations and administrative red tape that's creating a lot of costs and not creating a lot of value. I think the Pelosi Congress that Rush Holt has been a part of has been particularly hostile to job creation in America. And I think simply backing away and becoming an advocate for job creation instead of be, being so hostile and vilifying the, the corporate success would be, uh, would be one simple step that they could take that would be symbolic, but it would be very, very powerful because the biggest issue in the private sector today is uncertainty. Businesses aren't investing because they're afraid of what's going to hit them next, what new tax, what new regulation. If you don't have certainty, you don't have confidence to invest. I think the other thing we could do is simplify the tax code. We could get rid of all of these allowances, credits, and deductions that flow to politically connected corporations, and in exchange for eliminating those to lower the corporate tax rate so that American corporations would be on a level playing field with, uh, with foreign competitors, uh, we pay you know, roughly twice the corporate income tax that our economic adversaries do. So we're encouraging companies to take their jobs overseas where the taxes are less. I think at a 20% corporate tax rate, with the elimination of all the corporate allowances, we would collect the same amount of revenue, and we would bring a lot of high-paying manufacturing, value-added jobs back to America. People are concerned about health care. Some people like it. Some people don't. College students especially and their parents like the provision in the new legislation allowing students to remain on their parents' health care until they're 26. Really, most Americans can't afford health care. So in less than a minute, what's your opinion on the health care bill? My concern about the government takeover of health care is that it's not going to lower costs. In fact, we're seeing costs go up as a result of this bill. So I don't believe it's going to achieve the endpoints that they, that they designed into the bill. I think we should have a different plan, which empowers consumer choice and competition and controls runaway litigation costs. I think that that kind of a bill would significantly improve access to quality care and reduce costs. And I've written about that my ideas for healthcare reform on my website at supportscott2010.com. As a congressman, what do you think your strengths would be? What parts of the job use your natural abilities? So I think of myself as a problem solver. I think I have a good ability to look at complex problems and boil them down to workable solutions. That's my experience in the private sector. I think I understand how financial markets work. I understand what it takes to create and sustain a business. And frankly, I don't think we have much of that skill set in the Congress. I also have, you know, a bit of a reformer streak in me. And I think that the Congress itself needs to be reformed. I've been a huge advocate of, of term limits as a way to break the careerism of professional politicians who ultimately get focused on one thing, getting reelected. We can't fix the problems without fixing the way Congress works itself, and I think we have too much careerism there, too many professional politicians who are focused more on reelection than they are actually solving problems. And that's one of the reasons that I'm a, such a fierce advocate of term limits, and I've committed to term limit myself to run for no more than three terms for this office uh, as a way to signal that I'm not in it for myself. I'm in it for, uh, for the country. What parts of being a congressman would be harder for you? Well, as I understand how Congress works, the seniority system will be a real problem for me because I'm going there with a sense of urgency to get things done. 
and Congress has a very rigid caste system that, uh, you know, freshmen are stuck in the basement and told to wait in line to kiss the appropriate rings to move up the pecking order, and I have no interest in doing that. So that'll be something that uh, we're going to have to resolve when I get there. It's been said that the next Congress will have two choices. Either all of these politicians who disagree with each other will have to find a way to work together and agree on something so that America can continue to move forward, or we'll be stuck in hopeless gridlock as everyone sticks to their extreme positions and refuses to work together for the next two years. So if you go to Congress, will you work with Democrats, independents, Republicans who have different views than you? Well, I guess the the question is what will be the composition of the Congress, but my intention is not to go there to be part of gridlock. My idea, as I've detailed in a very extensive platform of new ideas, is to go there for problem solving. And uh, I've talked about creating a coalition of common sense, try to find as many like-minded people who are willing to work with me on some of these new ideas to start addressing some of these very serious issues instead of pretending they're not problems and kicking the can down the road. So absolutely, I would take your choice. I'm going there to, to work to work with people to start fixing problems. That's my plan. What do you think is wrong in Congress right now? We have too many people who are there for their own glory and for their own career, and they're so focused on re-election that they don't care about the people's issues. They have no courage, and they have no independence. Frankly, I think Rush Holt is, uh, is an example of somebody who might have gone there with good intentions to become a pure party-line voter, and I think the country needs more than that right now. That was Scott Saprell. He's the Republican candidate running for Congress in New Jersey's 12th District, which includes parts of five counties and parts of Rutgers. You're listening to a Core News Election Eve special. We're speaking with all three candidates running for Congress in New Jersey's 12th District. When we come back, we'll hear from Independent Kenneth Cody. This is 90.3 The Core. You're listening to a Core News Election Eve special. We're speaking with the three candidates running for Congress in the 12th District, which includes parts of Rutgers. Later, we'll talk with Democrat Rush Holt, who's our current congressman. If you missed part of tonight's Election Eve special, or you'd like to hear it again, you can download the podcast at www.thecore.fm. Just click on News. Now we'll hear from Kenneth Cody. He's running for Congress as an independent in New Jersey's 12th District, which includes parts of five counties and part of Rutgers. My name is Ken Cody, and I'm running for Congress in New Jersey's 12th District. Uh, currently, I work for Recording for the Blind and Dyslexic in um, Princeton, New Jersey. They're a nonprofit organization. What made you decide to run for Congress? Do you, do you remember the exact moment you made the decision? Uh, well, I actually started when I was, uh, I was always influenced in politics by my grandfather growing up. Uh, and I also thought it was the right time to do it now. I've been getting upset with the lack of bipartisanship in Congress, and I want to make a difference. And basically, late last year, I started thinking about running for Congress. What issues are most important to you as a candidate? Uh, i got four main issues. Basically, my first one is bipartisanship. I think we need to stop the party line voting and party affiliation, and we need to work together in Congress, Republicans, Democrats, and independents all together for the common goal to um, make America better and pass legislation efficiently. And a recent poll came out, and only... About 20% of Americans believe Congress is being is doing a good job. So I want to help make a difference in that regard, open my arms to both Republicans and Democrats as an independent candidate, and uh, work with them to get our jobs accomplished. 
Okay, you mentioned you're an independent candidate. Most people are familiar with Republicans and Democrats and how people can be nominated for an office and then there's a vote and people who are affiliated with that party decide who the candidate is going to be. How do you become an independent candidate? Well, in New Jersey, you have to get 100 signatures on a petition and you bring it to uh, Trenton. Before, I think it was June 8th, we brought it up to Trenton and we got 123 signatures and that's how you become uh, nominated by petition. So then uh, I claim myself as independent. And are you affiliated with any kind of party? I used to be a registered Democrat uh, before the election, uh, before I think about running for Congress, and I recently switched over to uh, unaffiliated, uh, just to show that I'm, I'm a bipartisan candidate and I'll work with both parties. How do you feel about environmental issues like conservation, renewable energy, recycling, sustainable development? Uh, I, I believe we, clean energy is the way to go, not only for the help our economy, but also help um, again make the, the environment cleaner, and also actually it's going to help uh, unemployment go down because um, I think we should stop our reliance on uh, foreign oil, and um, we should do natural gas and also wind energy. There's a great plan called the Pickens Plan I've been very interested in, and I think it's uh, something we should look into. Federal funding for education. People in this area are very concerned about education, both for the sake of our students and our state's future, and also because the high cost of education leads to very high property taxes in the way New Jersey runs their school systems, and also funding for education is very important to college students. So what is your position on federal funding for education? I think we should try to explore for more um funding from the federal government for education, because it is the most important tool that anyone can have growing up, and even being an adult. Education is key to success, I believe. So we should really try to pass legislation that's going to fund more for students in college and from any grade level. Here in central New Jersey, people are very concerned about traffic congestion and air pollution, partly because of the effect on quality of life and also because of the health effects what are your feelings on federal funding for public transportation? I believe it would help that regard. It would help in that regard to, it would, I think it would be better we could find ways to use, uh, I guess, new uh, cleaner energy, uh, cleaner resources we could find by using funding that way. Maybe we could, again, renewable um, sources like natural gas uh, will help if we replace that with um, regular gas that we use now in our cars. Um, solar energy could help too in regards to keeping the air clean. And how do you feel about the ARC Tunnel Project? It's a tunnel, an additional tunnel for commuter trains between New Jersey and New York. How do you feel about that tunnel project? I hope, I wish it would continue. Uh, I wish they'd go through with it because I think it creates more jobs. And also, it would probably help with traffic congestion as well. Uh, I hope that Governor Christie would consider continuing the project. Many people are concerned about openness in government. Um, how much our politicians are telling us about what they're doing and why they're doing it. Right. How do you feel about that? Well, that's one of my uh, slogans. It's truth, vision, and hope. And I think politicians need to tell the voters about what they're doing all the time, be accountable for what their actions are. And I think what that will do is be more people will be more trusting of government. And they could... Uh, you know, I think you, you see that also when you see the low voter turnout. People are just not satisfied with what our government's doing. 
and our politicians. So I think telling the truth and letting the people know what we're doing is the right way to go. You and the Democratic candidate, Rush Holt, both filled out a questionnaire from a group called Project Vote Smart. Yes. And um, Mr. Ciparel, the Republican, did not. Why did you choose to fill out this questionnaire? I think it's important for voters to know what a candidate believes in. Uh, yeah, it was one of the first things I did when I began to run for Congress. I filled this form out. And it, just, it gives information, important information for a voter who is undecided yet, maybe not know who or what the candidate believes in. And it tells you very detailed what we believe in and what policies we want to show and have for the future. Kenneth Cody is running for Congress as an independent in New Jersey's 12th District. You're listening to a Core News Election Eve special. We're speaking with all three candidates running for Congress in the 12th District. Earlier, we spoke with Republican Scott Zaprell, and later we'll hear from Democrat Rush Holt. Right now, more with Kenneth Cody, who's running for Congress as an independent. Campaign funding is an important issue. People are concerned about the way campaigns are funded when people when candidates are running. They may get donations from companies and businesses, and then, if elected, they may feel beholden to those businesses rather than to their constituents. So who's supporting your campaign? What companies, what businesses? Well, right now, my campaign doesn't accept any monetary contributions. Uh, I did that because I want to send a message to Washington that you can run an efficient campaign without breaking the bank. Uh, right now, over $930 million nationwide for congressional races that has been raised to be spent in this election. And in our district, um, it's over $3.7 million, which doesn't sound like a lot in the whole, but uh, two years ago, it was only over $1 million. So right now I funded my own campaign, and we we only spend about $800, actually. So we're trying to send a message to Washington that a campaign could be run uh, efficiently, not by spending too much money. And do you feel like in in the way that you're funding and handling your campaign, do you feel like you're getting as much exposure as the other candidates? I feel, um, actually, I've been very satisfied with the uh, coverage I've been getting uh, as it always seems like an independent party or a third party seems to be left out of the discussion several times. And I've been, you know, approached by um, certain newspapers. Uh, they've asked for my opinion and they've written some articles. So um, I feel like I've been covered pretty well. With respect to spending and the debt, what are your feelings on government spending, federal government spending, and what we should do about the debt? Should we just stop spending money altogether? How do you feel about that? Well, I- what I think is, right now, um, with uh, regards to also campaign spending, like I said before, $930 million spent, that could go after the election. That money has been dead money. And that money could have went to help to recover some part of the debt. It could have went to um, cure or go for an organization to help cure diseases. So I think we need to, um, in government, we need to kind of start over again and find out which... Uh, programs we need to cut if we have to, or be more, I guess, tight with money, I guess, and be more responsible. With respect to jobs, can Congress actually do anything to to create jobs? Like, what what could Congress do? Well, I think they could. What they could do most is what we can do is pass legislation to help small businesses grow, and if we continue to give incentives for small businesses, 
Uh, also, in that regard, we should also keep taxes lower for lower and middle income families. They'll spend money in these small businesses and then we'll help small business become big business and they'll be hiring more and more people. And that, in, in that regard, uh, will lower our uh, employment rate, which is almost near 10%. So we got to start working on that. But I think, again, small business is the key for uh, more job growth. And the recently passed health care legislation, um, what's your opinion on the health care bill, which includes the provision allowing students to remain on their parents' health care until they're 26? What do you, but what do you think about the health care bill? I agree with it. I uh, support the, the health care reform. Uh, I like the, the provision that they now that you can't deny anyone with a pre-existing condition, which is very helpful. I think it's going to be good for our country. Uh, the only concern I do have is you're going to add about 30 to 50 million more patients to this healthcare um, system. So we have to make sure we're prepared down the road in the years to come. Uh, so I would keep in touch with the uh, healthcare officials and make sure we have the right facilities, make sure doctors aren't overworked. And But overall, in the end, I think this is a good, it's a good uh, reform. If you're elected to Congress, what would be your strengths as a congressman? What parts of the job use your natural abilities? I think working with both parties will be the, the best strength I have. Um, able to work with Democrats and Republicans fairly and equally and getting results. And what parts of the job would be harder for you? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I guess, hopefully, I guess as an independent, you want to get your message out there to the Congress when you get elected. So hopefully they will respect my views and my opinions and not go with party line affiliation. What do you think is wrong in Congress right now? Well, I think I, I think it's basically the main problem is I think you see all the time is um, well, the one side voting. If I think if we show Americans that we can work together and pass bills that um, are responsible and uh, just an, an effort to have bipartisanship was the key, and I think that's that's what's wrong. In, in Congress right now. We're too too much one side. Republicans stay to their side. Democrats stay on their side. We need more in the middle. It's been said that the next Congress will have two options. Either work together with people who have very different ideological viewpoints from yours to create legislation and move the country forward, or spend the next two years stuck in gridlock. If you're elected, will you be able to work with your fellow congressmen and women, regardless of who they are, Republican, Democrat, Independent, or will you stick to your ideological viewpoints and refuse to compromise? Um, I would I would like to work with all parties involved, and I think what we need is compromise from both sides. And I'm willing to make some compromises too, if you know, if, if it's for the best for the American people. And that's what my goal from a campaign is: just to work strongly with everyone in Congress. If you aren't elected to Congress, is there another way that you will uh, remain involved in right. in our government, in public yeah. life? Uh, I'd like to stay uh, involved in politics. If I don't get elected, maybe I could, in the local level, or help a campaign that I believe in also. But hopefully um, the voters will come out and give me some support on November 2nd, and I could be elected. So I, I, mean, I hope I could have 
everyone's support. Kenneth Cody is running for Congress as an independent in New Jersey's 12th District. You're listening to a CORE News Election Eve special. We're talking with the three candidates running for Congress in the 12th, which includes parts of Rutgers. If you missed part of tonight's Election Eve special, or you'd like to hear it again, you can download the podcast at www.thecore.fm. Just click on News. When we come back, we'll hear from our current congressman, Rush Holt. This is a CORE News Election Eve special. We're speaking with the three candidates running for Congress in New Jersey's 12th District, which includes parts of five counties and parts of Rutgers. Earlier, we spoke with Republican candidate Scott Zuprell and independent candidate Kenneth Cody. Next, we'll hear from Democrat Rush Holt, who's our current congressman. Yeah, I'm uh, Rush Holt. I represent the people of central New Jersey in Congress. What made you decide to run for Congress in the first place? I mean, do you remember the exact moment that you made the decision? (laughs) You know, I don't remember the exact moment. And there are, of course, many parts to the answer. But uh, the simple answer is it was too important not to. There are, you know, matters that affect the quality of life, uh, the quality of our environment, the future of our kids, and war and peace uh, that, uh, you know, that need attention. Uh, and that's more so true now than, than ever before. Um, you know, as a teacher and as a scientist, I know the value of education. I know the value of research, both as, as things that improve our quality of life, but actually that are, are economic necessities. You know, I've worked on environmental protection uh, to protect our, our air and our water and our open spaces. Um, I've worked on civil liberties and uh, human rights. Uh, I've worked on matters affecting the the functioning of our government to have reliable, auditable voting systems. And I've been very much involved in uh, in national security. You know, I voted against the war in Iraq because it was apparent that that was unnecessary and it was going to be costly and in lives and dollars so i mean it's all of these things it's not so simple as you know my opponent this year says i mean there there are essentially three parts to his platform he's saying uh and they're all economic he's saying uh, all we need to do is cut government spending reduce taxes for the wealthy the people that he calls the job creators and we have to remove government regulation from business that's the, the kind of the sum total of, of his proposals. It's a lot more complicated than that. Uh, it, there are issues that affect people in almost every aspect of their lives, and there are things that we can do better together than we can do separately. So there is a role for government. How long have you been a congressman for? I'm in my sixth term. Uh, this has been uh, uh, since uh, 1999. In the time you've been serving in Congress, what issues have been the most important to you? Well, I mentioned some of those. Uh, education, you know, I fought for a seat on the Education Committee as a former teacher. That is the tops on my list. Uh, the answer to almost every question uh, having to do with quality of life and economic prosperity is education. Second, the uh, uh, science and research. Now, actually, I combine those in the sense that I'm the principal proponent in the Congress 
for improved science education. Um, but I'm also a major proponent of investment in, sci- in scientific research uh, for uh, economic vitality, for you know, future uh, quality of life. You know, I have the highest rating of any member of Congress by the principal environmental rating organization, the League of Conservation Voters. So on my environmental record, it's tops. So I've been involved in energy and climate change. Again, a sharp contrast with, uh, with my opponent. In fact, on almost everything, there is this year a sharp contrast uh, uh, between uh, my principal challenger and me. And uh, certainly on energy and climate change, where he said publicly with regard to climate change, I don't know and I don't care. Well, I would never say that about any issue. Um, that affects the people of central New Jersey, uh, but certainly not about climate change. We are altering our climate in ways that are expensive and deadly, and uh, it must be addressed. In the energy legislation uh, that passed the House, uh, I made sure that it included more attention to energy research. Uh, If we're going to cut our carbon emissions, the greenhouse gases, Uh, we see how we can make gains for the next half dozen years uh, through wind and and, uh, uh, some obvious transportation efficiencies and some building efficiencies and so forth. Um, But to get to the 80% reduction that we're talking about, there must be increased research uh, for the sake of our future climate. So I have been the principal proponent for that. Uh, for the Land and Water Conservation Fund, which takes revenues from oil drilling off the off the shore, uh, you know, in our uh, federal oil leases, I've shifted money from those oil revenues to the Land and Water Conservation Fund to acquire open space and parks and recreation areas. Um, the uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, and this is the principal federal program for. Um, setting aside open space. So I have been, uh, from the time I first arrived in Congress, uh, promoting a, um, a, a better use of these revenues from oil so that uh, uh, we can set aside parks and, and uh, open space. Uh, with regard to clean air and clean water and ocean, uh, sustainable oceans, I'm one of the champions uh, in Congress on on all three of those. And as well, as far as cleaning up the, the Superfund sites, the highly polluted sites, of which we have so many in New Jersey and elsewhere, um, I'm a principal proponent of the principle that, uh, of the idea that the um, polluter should pay. This should not be carried by the taxpayers. It should be carried by the polluters, the polluting industries. So I could go on and on about uh, the environment because that is so dear to my heart. Suffice it to say, I have the highest rating of any member of Congress on environmental issues, and I've been endorsed as recently as yesterday and in my previous elections also by the Sierra Club, uh, the New Jersey Environmental Federation, and so forth. Rush Holt is running for re-election to Congress in New Jersey's 12th District, which includes parts of Rutgers. You're listening to a Core News Election Eve special. We're speaking with all three candidates running for Congress in the 12th District. 
Right now, more with Rush Holt. Congressman Holt, your opponent, Mr. Saprell, mentioned the cap-and-trade program. Uh-huh. He said he is opposed to it and that you supported it. So why did you support it? The way we produce and use energy in the United States is the greatest insult to our planet. It is expensive. It has us in entangling alliances with uh, and trade agreements with countries that don't have our best interests at heart. So it costs us dearly not only in dollars, but also in international security. And the way we produce and use energy is changing our very climate in ways that are uh, expensive and deadly. So uh, we very much need to change the way we produce and use energy. The way we do it now is unsustainable. It's unsustainable for reasons of supply, for reasons of where the energy sources are distributed in the world. It's unsustainable because of what we're doing to our air and our water, uh, and it's unsustainable because of what we're doing to our climate. And so um, uh, we must reduce our dependence on fossil fuels. You know, fossil uh, has two meanings. One is it, you know, is buried in the ground from old plant decay and, you know, the carbonaceous uh, uh, petroleum and so forth, but also fossil has the meaning of archaic, and that's certainly true. The, we we are dependent on archaic energies. This is no way to generate electricity uh, and transportation energy and home and industrial energy uh, using these fossil fuels. That's no way for the 21st century. And furthermore, we should be developing technologies that we sell to the rest of the world, efficient technologies for generating energy, for transportation, and so forth, not buying them from the rest of the world. Uh, So we're missing a great economic opportunity by dragging our feet on these matters. My opponent, Mr. Saprell, when asked about climate change and energy, he said, I don't know and I don't care. That's a quote. And he also said, it's not among my top 500 issues. Uh, I think it's uh, an, an appalling statement. So the cap-and-trade program, will it actually result in less pollution? Well, first of all, it's not law. We passed it in the House of Representatives. The Senate dropped the ball. So cap-and-trade or any other carbon reduction uh, law doesn't exist. So uh, in the next Congress, uh, we're going to start over. Uh, I certainly hope to be part of that. You know, I am one member of Congress who has spent a career working on alternatives to fossil fuels. Um, I have a, you know, my own patent for a solar energy device. Uh, this is something that uh, has been part of my, uh, um, you know, p- part of my life since long before I went to Congress. To have a member of Congress who would say, with regard to uh, our energy production and use, I don't know and I don't care, um, well, as I said a moment ago, is appalling. Okay, with regard to federal funding for education, both public education and higher education, mm-hmm. what do you think the federal government should be doing with respect um, to? Yeah, you know, there there is a very important role in promoting education at the elementary and secondary level, and at the uh, uh, and in higher education. I have been a principal author of legislation that is. Uh, that has reduced um, the interest rate on student loans uh, by half, that has increased Pell Grants by almost a factor of two, 
um, that provides for loan forgiveness for uh, uh, people who go into uh, professions of public service. Um, I'm the author of legislation that would uh, that right now provides scholarships to students, and this is all over the country. You know, Rutgers students and others are eligible for this. Um, that provide uh, $16,000 a year in scholarships. Uh, I'm mean, sorry, $16,000 total, $4,000 a year for four years in scholarship, upfront scholarship money for students who uh, train and go into um, teaching math, science, and foreign languages. So uh, there are other, as many other things I can say about about education, uh, the important role of the government in providing teacher professional development, uh, both pre-service and in-service. Uh, so as as uh, students prepare to become teachers, but also for students who are, I mean, I beg your pardon, for teachers who are already practicing. And um, so uh, there is an important role. Um, Again, the sharp contrast in this year's election is that my opponent has said he would abolish the Department of Education. Uh, There is no federal role, he says, for education. In his world, if you can afford a good education, you know, God bless you, but uh, uh, we don't need any help. Well, you know, I, I point to the GI Bill uh, that goes back to the 1940s. It's re- we've recently renewed it so that it applies to the soldiers coming back from uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. It's a very important and beneficial thing that we do to provide tuition uh, uh, for soldiers uh, who return to civilian life and want to go to college. Uh, it is um, a very I think, a very beneficial role of government. So to say government has no role in education, again, is just an appalling statement. And to uh, abolish the U.S. Department of Education, I don't think so. A lot of New Jersey residents are concerned about traffic congestion and air pollution, the effect this has on their quality of life, and also the effect that it can have on their health. What are your feelings about federal funding for public transportation? Oh, it's a very important thing, and I've been a principal proponent of that. I've worked on getting better commuter fares in Amtrak. Um, I've been a big proponent of public transit. Uh, It's important that this be part of regional planning. Uh, It's important that local communities work cooperatively with other communities in a region to develop uh, uh, public transportation uh, plans. And... Uh, there are other things we need to do that have to do with uh, other things we need to do to combat sprawl. I mean, New Jersey is the front lines of suburban sprawl, uh, central New Jersey in particular. Uh, I've created the Municipal Land Use Center, which is located at uh, the College of New Jersey, which is supposed to help towns make the decisions uh, having to do with transportation and land use that contribute to sprawl, that result in um, uh, energy inefficiencies, and uh, lower quality of life. Governor Christie is reconsidering the ARC Tunnel Project that would provide additional tunnels for commuter trains from New Jersey into Manhattan. He's prob- it, it seems like he's coming down against it. What's your opinion on that tunnel? You know, it's, it's sad that, that he thinks that we can uh, uh, put off investment in our in- infrastructure. I mean, you know, the tunnel that goes into New York now was built at the turn of the 20th century. 
Uh, of course we need uh, improved public transportation routes into New York. And uh, to, to say that we can't do that now is, is really what he's saying is, well, no, I, I'm not going to make uh, individual, you know, wealthy individuals and uh, uh, profitable industries pay their fair share. Um, of, course, uh, of course we need it. It's times like this in particular that we should be investing in education, in research, in infrastructure. Um, it's, it's been the American way for a couple of hundred years uh, that we're always expanding our horizons, expanding our uh, opportunities for everyone, uh, not just for the privileged few. And uh, public transit is one of the ways that we expand opportunities for everyone. And what do you say to the argument that we can't afford to pay for this tunnel right now? Well, as I said, uh, you know, we can't afford not to do these things. That's, it, it has been the American way for centuries. It's what's helped make this country great. You know, it's, uh, uh, it, it's easy to, uh, to let uh, short-term concerns uh, blind you to uh, the long-term necessity. And uh, I'm afraid that's what the governor is doing right now. Democrat Rush Holt is running for re-election to Congress in New Jersey's 12th District. This is a Core News Election Eve special. Earlier, we spoke with Holt's challengers, Republican Scott Suprell and Independent Kenneth Cody. We'll have more with Rush Holt right after this. This is a Core News Election Eve special. We're talking to the three candidates running for Congress in New Jersey's 12th District, which includes parts of five counties and parts of Rutgers. Earlier, we spoke with Republican candidate Scott Ziprell and Independent Kenneth Cody. Now we'll hear more from Democratic incumbent Rush Holt. Many politicians and candidates are advocating for more openness in government. Is that something you're in favor of? Absolutely, yes. Um, and uh, actually, it's another sharp distinction in this particular congressional race. You know, I've disclosed every, I mean, all of my voting record is public record. I issue a statement on every major vote. So it's clear not only how I voted, but why I voted that way. Um, I've released my income tax returns. Um, I've, I answer public questionnaires. I have town meetings. I interview uh, Mr. Suprell has declined to release his financial information, even though he's paying for the, his campaign out of his own pocket. He has refused to answer the Vote Smart questionnaire and other public questionnaires. In fact, he said, quote, it is not in my interest to engage in this form of democracy. Uh, he's failed to uh, disclose how he would, uh, uh, you know, how he would vote on a number of things that come before Congress. Um, so transparency is my thing, and evidently it is not his thing. Mr. Suprell has stated that he doesn't participate in questionnaires like Project Vote Smart because he feels they don't provide enough scope for a comprehensive answer. What's your feeling on that? Yeah, well, that's not quite what he said. His words were, and you can look this up, it was on his website, um, it is not in my interest to engage in this form of democracy. Well, I think the voters want to know, I mean, I don't have a, um, you know, when a vote comes to the floor, I get to vote yes 
or no. I don't have a button on my desk that says, well, let me elaborate on that, or I'll get to this later, or that's not important now. You know, uh, Mr. Suprell, uh seems to be uh, dodging uh, his public obligation. If he wants to be in public service, he's going to have to show a lot more public in his thinking. One of the things Mr. Suprell said about your record in Congress is that he considers you a party-line voter, which means that someone who is a party-line voter would just vote for whatever position their party is in favor of, regardless of what they think about it. Do you consider yourself to vote in that way? Uh, nonsense. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I uh, you know, maybe, maybe some people uh, vote as I do because they follow my lead. I don't know. But I'm much more interested in what is, uh, what benefits the people of central New Jersey, what is in their interest. That's my obligation is to represent them. Um, and that's the way I vote. And I'm really pleased that having made those choices on my various votes on behalf of the people of central New Jersey, you know, I have a 100% rating from the League of Conservation Voters, from the American Association of University Women, from the Humane Society, from the Catholic uh, Social Justice Network. From, you know, I could just go on and on and on about uh, groups that have looked at my voting and said, you know, Holt is superlative. With respect to campaign funding, a lot of people are concerned about when candidates run for public office, they're often getting money from companies and businesses who they may feel beholden to after they're elected. Um, Mr. Cody, who's running as an independent, is mm -hmm. trying to run his campaign without spending a lot of money, and he's just he's spent some of his own money. Mr. Suprell has gotten some donations and... As you mentioned, he's paying for a lot of it out of his own pocket. Who's supporting your campaign, and like what companies and businesses do you accept donations from? Yeah, well, I am a principal co-sponsor, an original co-sponsor. Uh, in fact, I have helped write legislation that calls for public financing of campaigns. I am a principal co-sponsor of public disclosure legislation. As I said, I've released my income tax returns um, in my financial disclosures and so forth. Uh, Mr. Suprell has done the bare minimum of disclosure, and he says, furthermore, that it somehow frees him from, uh, from uh, uh, conflict of interest uh, or being beholden to special interest because he's funding his own campaign. He doesn't seem to realize that he and the Wall Street world he represents is a special interest. I have one of the broadest campaign contribution bases of any member of Congress in the country, many thousands of people. And there is no individual, no group that comprises more than a fraction of a percent. Uh, you know, the, my, the, my average contribution, I think, last time I checked, was $170. Um, many contributions in, you know, in 10 and 20 and $30 some of them in the hundreds of dollars. But the average um, is, you know, $170 or something like that. I have a very broad donor base. Uh, so there is no individual or group of individuals that comprises more than a fraction of a percent of that. So uh, there, there, is, there is no, um, the, no possibility even 
conflict of interest. And do you disclose the donors to your campaign? Yes, yes. Jobs. Okay. What can Congress actually do to create jobs? Is there, can Congress actually create jobs? Sure. I mean, we, we have and we do. Um, I mean, there, you know, Congress has to, I mean, what we've had to do in the last year is stop the slide. Stop, I mean, you know, this country was headed toward a depression. Uh, we were losing 700,000 jobs per month when this Congress began. Um, we've stopped that slide. We've turned the economy back into black ink. Um, it was falling, you know, as uh, you don't need to think back too far. We have provided investment funds for community banks so that they can loan to small businesses. We've done a number of things to improve the climate for small businesses. Uh, Small businesses make jobs, and there certainly are things that we can do to create the conditions where it's easier for them to make jobs. And back to my earlier points in this conversation, uh, we must invest in education and research and development. Smart, well-trained workforce, innovative ideas, that's how you get jobs that last over the long term. And so uh, we have to do all those things. We are doing some of them. Uh, We clearly have to do more. The economy is sputtering. You know, we started out this Congress in a hole of 8 million jobs. Uh, The economic policies of the last decade, the things that Mr. Saprell wants to go back to, you know, the giving tax benefits to the wealthy, including com- uh, encouraging companies to export jobs overseas, removing regulation and oversight. That's what got us into this economic hole. That's what caused the financial collapse. Clearly, that's not what we want to go back to. And we've got a lot yet to do to undo that damage that's been done. Healthcare bill. What's your opinion on the healthcare bill? It will help hundreds of millions of Americans. It. Um, it has done for people under age 65 what Medicare did for people over age 65. It says if you're in America, you can count on good health care. Before 1965, when Medicare was passed, seniors were told, you're on your own. You hope your family will be able to help you out, or we hope you've socked away enough money. Uh, but it didn't work. Seniors were dying unnecessarily. They were, on average, getting inferior health care. Medicare changed that. Now, for people under age 65, we are saying for the first time, you're not on your own. You can expect to have health care coverage in America. We are saying insurance companies can't cut you off just because you get sick, just because you have somebody in your family, a child with juvenile diabetes or some other pre-existing medical illness. Um, We're saying that insurance companies actually have to spend money on health care. Um, you know, that they have to spend a larger percentage of the premiums they collect on actually providing health care coverage. We provide for more primary care physicians so that there will be more places for people to go to start their health care and on and on. And it it will be very beneficial. And it's more than paid for. It actually will contribute funds to paying down the deficit, and it will reduce the out-of-pocket expenses for Americans. So from every point of view, um, it will be good. already is good because it's already taking effect in a number of ways. 
Um, a lot of people think there is a lot wrong with Congress right now. It's been said that the next Congress will have two options, either work together with people who have very different ideological viewpoints to create legislation and move the country forward, or spend the next two years stuck in gridlock. If you're reelected... Option will, one, I will, take door number one. <laughs> yeah. You think you'll be able to work with your fellow congressmen and women regardless of whether they're well, Republicans, I, independents? I, I have, and I have a reputation for that. Um, I... I agree that it has been a partisan place down there. Uh, if you'll, you know, I've been, by the way, endorsed by every newspaper that has endorsed a candidate in this race this year. And one of the papers said uh, in their endorsement statement of me, Rush Holt is part of the solution, not part of the problem. Um, I was pleased to see them say that, uh, because that's certainly how I view it. When I spoke to Mr. Saprell, um I, I didn't ask your opinion on, on spending and debt. Mr. Saprell mentioned that he feels you're out of touch with the electorate, that most people want the debt cut no matter what. And what is your, just really quick, what is your opinion on, on federal spending and the debt? Well, of course you want, you know, of, of course you don't want to spend beyond your means. You know, um, the question is, what are the needs of people and how do you best address them? Some of that is through government. Some of it is not. Much of it is not. Um, but to condemn government is like condemning a tool. Um, no, it, you know, it has usefulness in certain ways. And, uh, you know, the, you, the, uh, I mean, uh, you don't talk for or against government spending as an end in itself. No, the question is, uh, what are the needs of people and how do you address them? In education, you know, in environmental protection, in investment in research, there are important things that need to be done. And uh, that's what I advocate doing. Rush Holt is running for re-election to Congress in New Jersey's 12th District, which includes parts of Rutgers. You're listening to a Core News Election Eve special. Earlier, we spoke with Holt's challengers, Republican Scott Saprell and Independent Kenneth Cody. Now we'll have a final word from each of the three candidates. First, Republican Scott Saprell. Well, I think this election coming up is really about two different visions for America. One vision uh, embraces the concept of public servants who are working for problem solving and the people. Uh, and the other is a vote to re-elect incumbency and send the same people back. And I don't think this is a time in America's history where we should be re-electing the problem because, uh, you know, we're on our road to financial crisis joining the debt-clogged economies of Europe. So um, I really think that this is a critical choice, and uh, that's why I'm running. Now a final word from independent candidate Kenneth Cody. Well, I, my main focus on my campaign is four topics. Bipartisanship, campaign spending is too much. It's over. We, we have to set campaign finance reform limits. We have to improve our economy through small businesses, and we need to end the war in Afghanistan uh, sooner than later. Um, I'm proud of our military and what they've done for our country. But it's, I think it's time for the Afghanistan government to take control of their own country and bring our soldiers home safely. So if you believe in bipartisanship, I want to work with both parties in the Congress. Um, I hope I can have your support on November 2nd. Now a final word from Democratic candidate and incumbent Congressman Rush Holt. Well, uh, everyone should regard November 2nd as a day of choice. Uh, not a day in which you express your frustration. Um, you should be 
everyone should be voting with an eye toward the future. Um, what kind of America do we want? I want an America, what I've worked for my whole life, which is an expansion of the American dream, expansion of opportunity to more and more people, rather than contracting the American dream because times are tough, rather than saying those that, those that can get, God bless them, but everybody else, tough luck. That's what the, the choice is uh, this, uh, this November 2nd, next Tuesday. This is a Core News Election Eve special. Tonight we've spoken with all three candidates running for Congress in New Jersey's 12th District. Republican Scott Zuprell, Independent Kenneth Cody, and Democratic incumbent Rush Holt. We also spoke with Elizabeth Maddow and John Weingart of the Eagleton Institute of Politics at Rutgers about why it's important to vote this Tuesday and what effect our congressman will have on our lives over the next two years. If you missed part of tonight's Election Eve special or you'd like to hear it again, you can download the podcast at www.thecore.fm. We here at 90.3 The Core want you to vote on Election Day. To find out where to vote, visit areyouvoting.rutgers.edu. It works whether you're from Rutgers or not. To find out more about candidates running all over New Jersey, try njvoterinfo.org and votesmart.org. But remember to vote tomorrow. It's easy and it's important. And if you don't make your voice heard, no one will know it's important to you. For our government to work, we all have to take part. If you think it isn't working so well, think about how many people aren't participating. We can't blame our representatives if we don't make the effort ourselves. It's time to stop blaming politicians for doing a bad job when we can't even arise from our couches once a year to make our way to the nearest library or elementary school to push those little buttons that make America work. Voting is easy. It's necessary, and more and more people are doing it. But it can only work if you do it too. So on Tuesday, when excuses like I'm busy or it doesn't matter start popping up in front of you, look them straight in the eye, or whatever it is excuses have, and tell them everyone's busy, and it does matter, and I'm going to vote. Do it for New Jersey. Do it for your future. Do it for the core news. Do it for America. But at the risk of being sued by Nike, just do it. Vote on Tuesday. You'll be very glad you did. Find more information on voting at thecore.fm. And tune into Core of the Matter Tuesday night at 7 p.m. for early returns and to hear what your fellow voters are thinking. If you'd like to add your two cents, email news at thecore.fm. And when you wake up Tuesday morning, remember, you're voting. This has been a Core News Election Eve special. Stay tuned for Sounds Inflicted. This is 90.3 The Core.